Section 28 of The Glories of Ireland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Olson, Fytak, Los Angeles. The Glories of Ireland. Edited by Joseph Dunn and P. J. Lennox. Section 28. Native Irish Poetry by Professor Georges Dautin. Note. This chapter was written in French by M. Dautin, who is a distinguished professor and dean at the University of Renac, France. The translation into English has been made by the editors. By the year 1200 of the Christian era, a time at which the other national literatures of Europe were scarcely beginning to develop, Ireland possessed, and had possessed for several centuries, a Gaelic poetry, which was either the creation of the soul of the people, or else was the work of the courtly bards. This poetry was at first expressed in rhythmical verses, each containing a fixed number of accented syllables and hemisticks separated by a pause. Christlim, Christreum, Christ Indegat, Christ Indium, Christ Isum, Christ Uasum, Christ Desum, Christ Uasum. This versification, one of the elements of which was the repetition of words or sounds at regular intervals, was transformed about the eighth century into a more learned system. Thenceforward, alliteration, assonance, rhyme, and a fixed number of syllables constituted the characteristics of Irish verse. Misa ochus panguraban, hichtar nachar friasandan, bitamen masamfriserlich, mumen makin insecthert. As we see, the consonants in the rhyme words were merely related L, R, N, N, G, M, D, H, G, H, b h m h c h t h f could rhyme together just as could g g d d b b soon the poets did not limit themselves to end rhymes which ran the risk of becoming monotonous but introduced also internal rhyme which set up what we may call a continuous chain of melody is ere caram dore, ara reda agone, sahomat a engelhind, o shind go athorele. This harmonious versification was replaced in the seventeenth century by a system in which account was no longer taken of consonantal rhyme or of the number of syllables. The rules of Irish verse have nothing in common with classical Latin meters which were based on the combination of short and long syllables. In low Latin, indeed, we find occasionally alliteration, rhyme, and a fixed number of syllables, but these novelties are obviously of foreign origin, and date from the time when the Romans borrowed them from the nations which they called barbarous. We cannot prove, beyond yea or nay, that they are of Celtic origin, but it is extremely probable that they are. 
for it is among the celts both of ireland and of wales that the harmonizing of vowels and of consonants has been carried to the highest degree of perfection this learned art was not acquired without long study the training of a poet filet lasted twelve years or more the poets had a regular hierarchy the highest in rank the olam knew three hundred fifty kinds of verse and could recite two hundred fifty principal and one hundred secondary stories the olams lived at the court of the kings and the nobles who granted them freehold lands their persons and their property were sacred and they had established in ireland schools in which the people might learn history poetry and law the bards formed a numerous class of a rank inferior to the filet they did not enjoy the same honors and privileges some of them even were slaves according to their standing different kinds of verse were assigned to them as a monopoly the danish invasions in the ninth century set back for some time the development of irish poetry but when the irish had driven the fierce and aggressive sea rovers from their country there was a literary renaissance this was in turn checked by the anglo-norman invasion in the twelfth century and thereafter the art of versification was no longer so refined as it had formerly been nevertheless the bardic schools still existed in the seventeenth century more than four hundred years after the landing of strongbow and in them students followed the lectures of the olams for six months each year or until the coming of spring exercising both their talents for composition and their memory a catalogue of irish poets which has recently been made out shows that there were more than a thousand of them we have lost many of the oldest poems but the irish scribes often modernized the texts which they were copying hence the language is not always a sufficient indication of date and it is possible that under a comparatively modern form some very ancient pieces may have been preserved even if the poems attributed to amergin do not go back to the tenth century b c as has been claimed for them they are in any case old enough to be archaic and certain poems of the mythological cycle are undoubtedly anterior to the christian era we have reason to believe that there have been preserved some genuine poems of finn Macumal, third century a hymn by saint patrick d four sixty one some greatly altered verses of st columcille d five ninety seven and certain hymns written by saints who lived from the seventh to the ninth century the main object of the most celebrated of the ancient poets up to the end of the twelfth century was to render history genealogy toponymy and lives of saints readier of access and easier to retain by putting them into verse form and it is the names of those scholars that have been rescued from oblivion while lyric poetry having as its basis nothing more than sentiment has remained for the most part anonymous 
after the anglo-norman invasion the best poet seems to have been don cadach morodali d twelve forty four of later date were teg magdere fifteen seventy to sixteen fifty two teg dal o'higgin d sixteen fifteen and jokadech o'hasi who belonged to the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries the new school which abandoned the old rules and whose inspiration is now personal now patriotic is represented by kene keens or laments abran hymns or eislingi visions composed among others by geoffrey keating d c sixteen fifty david obrodar c sixteen twenty five to sixteen ninety eight egan o'reilly c sixteen seventy c seventeen thirty four john macdonnell sixteen ninety one to seventeen fifty four william o'heffernan f l seventeen fifty john o'tawmy seventeen o six to seventeen seventy five and andrew mcgrath d c seventeen ninety the greatest of the eighteenth-century Irish poets was Owen Rowe O'Sullivan, c. 1748-1784, whose songs were sung everywhere, and who, in the opinion of his editor, Father Dineen, is the literary glory of his country, and deserves to be ranked among the few supreme lyric poets of all time if in order to study the subjects treated by the poets we lay aside didactic poetry and confine ourselves to the ancient poems from the seventh to the eleventh century we shall find in the latter a singular variety they were at first dialogues or monologues now found incorporated with the sagas of which they may have formed the original nucleus thus in the voyage of bran we have the account of the isles of the blessed and the discourse of the king of the sea in the expedition of loger macrinachan the brilliant description of the fairy hosts in the death of the sons of unsech the touching farewell of deirdre to the land of scotland and her lamentation over the dead bodies of the three warriors and in the lay of fothard Canaan the strange and thrilling speech of the dead lover returning after the battle to the tryst appointed by his sweetheart other poems seem never to have figured in a saga like the song of crede daughter of guere in which she extols the memory of her friend dinartach and the affecting love scenes between liaden and Quirtir, or like the bardic songs designed to distribute praise or blame the funeral panegyric on king nial in alternate verses the song of the sword of carol and the satire of macongline against the monks of cork religious poetry comprised lyric fragments which were introduced into the lives of the saints and there formed a kind of christian saga or else were based on holy writ like the lamentation of eve hymns in honour of the saints like the hymn to saint michael by male isu pieces such as the famous hymn of saint patrick and philosophic poems like that keen analysis of the flight of thought 
which dates from the tenth century at a time when the poets of other lands seem wholly engrossed in the recital of the deeds of men one of the great and constant distinguishing marks of poetry in ireland whether we have to do with a short note set down by a scribe on the margin of a manuscript or with a religious or profane poem is a deep personal and intimate love of nature expressed not by detailed description but more often by a single picturesque and telling epithet thus we have the hermit who prays god to give him a hut in a lonely place beside a clear spring in the wood with a little lark to sing overhead or we have marban who rich in nuts crab-apples sloes watercress and honey refuses to go back to the court to which the king his brother presses him to return now we have the description of the summer scene in which the blackbird sings and the sun smiles now the song of the sea and of the wind which blows tempestuously from the four quarters of the sky again the winter song when the snow covers the hills when every furrow is a streamlet and the wolves range restlessly abroad while the birds numbed to the heart are silent or yet again the recluse in his cell humorously comparing his quest of ideas to the pursuit of the mice by his pet cat this deep love of inanimate and animate things becomes individualized in those poems in which every tree every spring every bird is described with its own special features if we remember that these original poems which before the twelfth century expressed thoughts that were scarcely known to the literature of europe before the eighteenth are besides clothed in the rich garb of a subtle harmony what admiration what respect and what love ought we not to show to that ancient ireland which in the darkest ages of western civilization not only became the depositary of latin knowledge and spread it over the continent but also had been able to create for herself new artistic and poetic forms references hyde love songs of connacht dublin eighteen ninety three irish poetry an essay in irish with translation in english and a vocabulary dublin nineteen o two the religious songs of connacht london nineteen o six meyer ancient gaelic poetry glasgow nineteen o six a primer of irish metrics with a glossary and an appendix containing an alphabetical list of the poets of ireland dublin nineteen o nine dotin dunn the gaelic literature of ireland washington nineteen o six meyer selections from ancient irish poetry second edition london nineteen thirteen best bibliography of irish philology and of printed irish literature dublin nineteen thirteen loth la métrique galloise paris nineteen o two thurnason irische text three buile 
Dublin, 1910. End of section 28. Recording by Linda Olson Fitak, Los Angeles.